Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome back to Jay's Corner. It's the first episode of 2022. Sorry I've been gone for so long. Hope everybody's been having a great year. Hope you guys had a strong 2021. I'll continue to fight through this pandemic. <coughs> and I'm also gearing up for what's to come. All right, y'all. So today I'm going to talk to y'all a little bit about what's going on in Ukraine with the ongoing crisis with Russia and some of the other aspects that are affecting it. Um, I hope you guys have been paying attention because this is probably going to be some really, really big historical stuff that's going to happen. That's really been going on for the last, I mean, you can go predated a long time, but the current one's been going on for at least the last like 10 years. Uh, it's I got a lot of mixed feelings about it. I definitely think that it's a situation that was going to happen and that was coming for a while, but I think it's also a situation that, you know, we, we, we shouldn't always be so quick to judge. So what I see going on currently with Ukraine is uh, kind of like a chess match. Now, I don't know if you guys have been noticing, but Russia always kind of either pump fakes or is already, they're pretty much like the the bully. They always want to bully somebody because they got the most stuff. And a lot of times they're doing it because they're a little insecure about what they have. So one of the things about Russia is I was, I've actually been doing a little bit of research on this um, just because, you know, it's considered the new World War Two. But really, it's also a lot about economics and essentially uh, pride. Um, Russia has been trying to push back the start of the Soviet Union for a long time. And it's, it's funny because the U.S. kind of ended the Soviet Union, at least so to speak. And Russia has been kind of continuing that for the last 100 years by moving different parts of military, different parts of government all over the place, but also by kind of intervening when they need resources. Russia's economy isn't the best, but it also is one of the biggest countries. They have an iron fist as far as they rule, and they really are strict with their people. I mean, you look at the class system. There's a lot of people that are billionaires there, but there's also a lot of people that are like kind of poor. And, you know, one thing about Russia is it's so big, not as big as some say, you know, but if you look at the size comparison to the U.S. or even just the rest of Europe, they, they're about the same size. You know, they make up almost half of Europe and that's just the European side of Russia. And even their proximity on the Asian portion that's next to the U.S., it's almost about the same size. Not as inhibited as much, but they have a lot of land. Uh, with that being said, they have a lot of oil. They have a lot of resources. They have a lot of manpower. They have a lot of pride, too. Um, and the unique, unique thing about Ukraine is Ukrainians and Russians are actually very similar in culture, very similar in religions. There is actually a, a big majority of Muslim and Islam in both sectors. So there is some overarching belief that are also conflicting here as well now it's funny because america i'll talk about america later but russia really has a power play that they're trying to kind of either pump fake or really kind of want to have to go all in now we all know russia has stuff that they ain't talking about and we know that russian billionaires don't really project how much money they have 
So that's the one thing about the Russian economy is they're invested, but they're invested enough that they show the world how much they got. They save a lot. They, they, I mean, even Putin, he's been in power for like 20 years in different roles, partly as a president, prime minister, uh, over the military. And it's all different aspects that kind of give him more power. But, you know, it's the thing with Ukraine is they start working with America and a lot of the Western European countries. So NATO is the agreement they use that basically kind of checks the trade agreements. And they pretty much make sure that either everything goes smoothly between the different countries who are trading. Most of these countries that have evolved kind of got in because of the U.S. And the reason why Russia doesn't want Ukraine in it is because they feel like they try to get in bed with the U.S., right? Right. So it's a lot of things there that's happened. But one thing I will say is I saw some videos online and I saw some like other articles talking about was just the way black people are, are treated in around in Europe. And I think that's one thing that sometimes we do have to like wonder about these quote unquote conflicts is like <clears throat> we are all in, in a very much a mixing pot society and we all have like-minded ideals and like-minded interests. But if we continue to look at each other based off of color and things that are really ignorant in time of crisis, then what does that say about our will for survival? And I think that's one thing that is a little bit disheartening because you do see a lot of the pride about Ukraine. You see a lot of, even the president is like out there saying like, man, I'm not running, bring me some weapons, which you can look at it two different ways, but <clears throat> I still feel like that's a, a a place where a lot of leaders around the world would not be. They would be willing to hide and for various reasons, you know, willing to fight for another day. Um, I do think that with the way the media and way camera phones are playing a role now, now we really get to see all the aspects of war. If you think about the conflicts that happened with America in World War One, World War Two, time and time again, there were always black people enlisted, but they always didn't receive the best treatment. And it's the same goes for other nationalities that are non-white in the military as well. But And especially gender role. I mean, if you're anything other than a manly man, you're going to get exiled. But... One of the real issues here is with uh, colorism. Colorism is a big thing, especially in Europe. I know Americans, we are so used to racism here, but colorism is a thing that not even just in Europe, but it's really around the world. Um, it's starting from, from the British way back when, and now it's one thing that unfortunately still goes you know, untalked about. And I do want to bring this up, especially it being toward the end of Black History Month. And, you know, we got to always make sure that we speak truthfully about things. And this is also one of the reasons why, even though I respect the hell out of military forces, I understand the need for military forces, I personally wouldn't join it as a black American. And the reason why is because you see that even in this time of war, race and color is still a thing. I mean, I saw videos of people in Ukraine basically blocking black people from getting on the trains and buses from leaving because they want to prioritize women or children, women to go. But if you have women and children who are black, why not just let them go with them? Why does it matter about color? What about race? Why is that even a thing? And it's interesting because a lot of these black people that are over there, 
they wouldn't identify necessarily as black. I mean, they probably feel black now because they saw colorism, but they probably identify as more as their African nationality or whatever nationality they may be coming from. So the thing is, is like, it's interesting because now that we're in the place of <clears throat> technology and everything, information in the span of a minute, I don't know if we can even really stomach a war. And I think one thing right now is, even if the, over the last week, this is just about colorism. This is just about one aspect of what's happening over there. There's a real chance that, let's say, Russia isn't pump faking. They could set all this down. And this that could start a trickle-down effect that could go a bunch of different ways that would drastically affect the way we live. So I'll start with the first option when we're looking at just nuclear weapons, because I think that's the most talked about and that's the most feared upon. Um, I truthfully don't think that will happen just because um, governments make a lot of money off of human capital. And if there's nuclears blowing up everywhere and people are dying, that means less money to make off of people working. Um, <laughs> and I think that system works really well right now. So even the fact that we see a lot of talks going on about different sanctions and meetings about trying to negotiate with the both sides, they don't want no war. They don't want nukes anyway. They don't want that type of war. And that war would actually, you know, could end civilizations. Excuse me. It could end the world as we know it today. I mean, that's just in the mind anyway. But that could end the way we look at things today. The only aspect that I could see that could come out is if there are some testing or there's some found nucleus that, you know, weapons of mass destruction that prevent uh, safe trans, trans, transportation or issues for different sides. Then there will be uh, injection for that to be the focus. But ultimately, I don't think nuclear weapons is that. Um, I think at this point now in the world, there are a lot of militaries that have nuclear weapons. And I think more importantly, there is a belief that nuclear weapons, you know, are the last resort, but also it's like that thing you have in your house that you know is there, but you just hope you never need to use it. And, you know, you, you it might even pass it down generation to generation. It might just even stay in the house. You know, you, you might just have it there and this could be whatever it may be. So that's what a nuclear weapon is. It's not something that's just, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. I mean, they're smaller scale, but at this point, nobody wants to pump fake and lose human capital. That's that's one given. Second part is economy, economics. And I think this is the most realistic aspect because I think, they, I mean, all of this plays a role in the money, you know. But with the economy, Russia, the, the, the impact of the Russian economy is weird because there are sanctions that may limit their movements, but there's also sanctions that will cripple their under their necessity to be a part of the free world economy. And that's specifically with the banking, with assets. If they, you know, a lot of billionaires are strong together, they'll come together, but if they need to get their assets, it might not be as quick as they could because they're freezing them. So that could be a play where it prevents them from actually moving. But the only thing is Russia has a trickle-down effect to a lot of world's economies. So you even talking about crops, whether it be oil, they pretty much fund all of Europe's oil. 
they have the pipelines, they have the access. So that's why Ukraine, Belarus, Crimea, those countries are bordering Russia. They have pipelines that run through there to go to the rest of Western Europe. So there is that part that, you know, where there's a necessity for, for Russia to continue. Um, there's also the domino effect of what if they take over Ukraine? Well, Ukraine has actually some good exports. They they give out a lot of wheat, a lot of, don't quote me on this, but they give out a lot of, uh, I think, wheat and even some something else with like food production to like other countries like in, in the Middle East and Africa and even parts of Asia. So there is an effect that this could, you know, definitely affect the worldwide economy and not just the stock market and the trends. Uh, now, the last part, I think, is the pride and the 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 impact of this. You know, when you look at war, war has always been a thing that comes in many forms and it's, it's never something that is great. So a lot of times it's a, a accumulation of things or it's, it's a necessity or it's just a money grab. You, know, you, you name it, you tell it's all mixed into that. But there's a lot of pride here. And if pride takes over more than with money, then there is a chance that this could actually change not only the way we know the world today, but also the way we operate futurely. Um, just looking at the pride some of the Ukrainians have, even regardless of their own bigotry, you know, that's not their fault. It's inherent. You know, a lot of their aspects are showing the world about how to deal with oppressive states. And I think the the fact that this is happening there on TV is a thing that we will have to look forward to seeing somewhere else in the future. And I think it's not about what's happening with this one, but where's the next one and where's the next one. And then if there is multiple ones at the same time going on, we have something else there. So, um, but I just want to talk to you guys a little bit about that. Hopefully everyone is safe. Hopefully the next time when I, I, we, we talk, we meet again, there will be, a resolution, there will be a safe passage, there will be Black Pride, there will be all that mixed into one. All right. Um, I love you guys. Stay safe, stay blessed, and I'll talk to you guys next time.